Defense of Plants is made possible by all of our wonderful patrons that support the podcast each and every month over at patreon.com slash plants. Their monthly contributions ensure that Indefensive Plants can continue to bring you amazing botanical and ecological conversations each and every week. If you are enjoying this podcast and want to help make free science communication possible, consider becoming a patron. By supporting the show, you will receive wonderful kickbacks like stickers, producer credits, and access to mini bonus episodes each month. Consider becoming a patron today and help spread the love of plants around the globe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Defense of Plants podcast, the official podcast of InDefenseofPlants.com. What's up? This is your host, Matt. Welcome to the show. How's everyone doing this week? It's the holiday season, and of course, I'm thinking a lot about friendships these days. And naturally, my mind goes to some of my friends that are no longer with us, like Dr. Mark Witten. I can't tell you how much I missed Mark. It's a loss that many of us have felt time and time again. But I'm extremely fortunate to have had many adventures with Mark over the course of our friendship. And today is a recap of one of those adventures. This is an old episode, episode 91 to be specific, that was my first adventure in a longleaf pine savanna. And who better to take us through such an incredibly diverse habitat than a botanist with the skills of Dr. Mark Witten? It's such an enjoyable hike. It's very relaxing. And I learned a lot during this trip. So I want to bring this out of the back catalog and and share it again with you today because I know many of you listening are are probably new to this podcast. So let's just jump right into it. Without further ado, here is our hike with the late Dr. Mark Witten. I hope you enjoy. I'm in a new spot and I wanted to share some of it with you. So I'm walking through a, uh, a Zarek hammock habitat outside of Gainesville, Florida on a 10,000 acre property owned by University of Florida. And this is some of the most stunning habitat I've seen in a long time. In fact, I'm standing right next to a shrub right now that I've been wanting to see. I've only heard about uh, a Semina incarna. It's a shrubby relative of the pawpaw. And it's end of December, so much is dormant. Oh, here's some Opuntia. But this is amazing. It's just longleaf pine and turkey oak and post oak mixed with wire grass. And there's a, I don't know if you can hear that, but blue jays in the distance and some sandhill cranes flying over. Stunning, there's some saw palmetto. This is just amazing. I'm I'm in my glory right now. Dodging uh, pocket gopher holes. Very much a fire adapted space and they've restored fire to much of this place. And you can really tell the difference. It's lovely. So today all right, don't trip. <laughs> so today's adventure is just going to be a nice casual hike with someone you've heard on the podcast before, or two people really, the wonderful Sarah Johnson, who will be keeping us informed on any birds she sees during this time, and the uh, my good friend, Dr. Mark Witten, who is a botanist extraordinaire. Such a beautiful 
I think it's a little blue. I can't be positive because I've never this? seen one. But out on the edge of this hammock of vegetation there, there's one hunting right along the edge up near the tip at the end. You, you can't miss it. It's beautiful blue. It, I think it just tucked its head down. Also heard a Phoebe. I'm, I'm missing it. Okay. Not out there along this edge here. Okay. Up towards the end where there's that strip of green in the... Oh, I was looking in the wrong spot. Oh, he's cute. Also heard an osprey. It's a nice Soft dark baby. tip on its beak. There's cranes. What's this uh, aquatic vegetation? Mostly. Well, I, see, I see the arrow shaped leaf there. So yeah, that's the area that most of this is uh, uh, Pontidaria pickerel weed. Oh, cool. Yeah, this is massive blue. But I remember there's uh, we were out here summer before last in a kayak and there are huge floating mats of habanaria repens, the aquatic habanaria. Really? Yeah, it's a true floating aquatic. That's strange. Yeah, it's big, almost a meter tall flowering stalks. Oh, wow. Flowers are green. So and a meter tall and it's floating? Yeah. Wow. So they're in these really dense mats. We actually got the kayak stuck in a mat of vegetation. <laughs> trying to them. That's funny. There's, I think there's a Biden's over here. Yeah, some yellow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think That's this is pretty. Biden's or Coreopsis. I think this ought to be Biden's Mitis. I like that name. Nice yellow Bidens. What would be some of the characteristics that would distinguish it as a... The Bidens has the, the stick tights. Right. So. The seeds that ensure dispersal at the slightest touch. Vitus. So do you know wax myrtle? I know myrtles. I don't know if I know wax myrtle. Myrica serifera. Wax myrtle. Is that it right there with the Yeah, uh, and there's an leaf. interesting uh, taxonomic dispute. There's wax myrtles which grow to be huge bushy plants and often here by the water in wet areas. And up in drier slopes you get this much smaller form which some people call Murica pumula. Hmm. And there's been a debate over whether they're just an you know, growth form or, you know, ecotype or whether there's some genetic distinction. And here you can find both types growing almost side by side. <laughs> and last year I dug up some plants and transplanted them to my yard to see if they will maintain this dwarf growth habit on right. the pumula. Pumula only gets knee high and uh, forms big colonies. And you know, this is here is obviously what three meters tall. Yeah, that's a will keep growing. Pretty so. stunning plant. So it's an interesting taxonomic ecological <laughs> problem. Can't they just blast the DNA and see what comes well, out? <laughs> uh, we will be doing that, but I don't think anybody's looked carefully at it yet. Hmm. Now here's there's something yellow. I caught my eye over here. Where was it? There, right next to your, oh, just got that. yep, there it is. Is this Ludwigia? 
seed box or rattle box. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's either Ludwigia or Enothera, but I think a Ludwigia. Hmm. On Gracie E. It's nice to see with petals, normally they're falling off. One of the things that's also common in here is frogbit, Limnobium spongia. I think I know it as frogbit. Yeah, the undersides of the leaves have this spongy pad. Helps them stay afloat. Float, yeah. Y'all want to go on to one of the more interesting lakes? There's a sure. A yeah, variety of lakes here. Teaser. This is a fairly eutrophic one with lots of <laughs> muck and mud and floating vegetation, and some of the others are much more sandy bottomed. Mm. See the egrets out there that just landed? Oh, nice. They might be cranes. We heard cranes. Oh, no, they're egrets, yeah. They're goldfinches. Quiet. And this is one of the lakes that has a floating <coughs> instrumentation. Oh, nice. That, um, one of the things that Neon is doing here is you know, monitoring aquatic ecology. I don't know what all the parameters they're yeah. measuring, but they have these floating telemetry stations, and this is radioed and streamed continuously. Nice, long-term continuous data collection. Ooh, is that the other oh. Asimina? Well, that's actually is probably a hybrid of Asimina incana with one of the others, maybe Angustifolia. Do you see how much more narrow the leaves are? Yeah. And not quite as fuzzy? Yeah. That's really interesting when you see a big population of these things that's clearly intermediate. That's funny. And then you wonder, you know, what maintains the species barriers here? Right. One of these hybridized into one big blob. <laughs> there must be something. I think uh, I had a professor call that dissolving into one another. This is a really nice longleaf pine here. Wow. I love the sun glinting off the needles. And one of the easiest way to tell longleaf from the others here is the thickness of the terminal twigs. Yeah. About as big as your thumb. That's awesome. They don't even dwindle. Those cones would really conk you on the head. Yeah. It's probably the biggest I've seen in person, honestly. It's quite formidable. is Ariogonum tomentosum. You can see the old flower stalks here, but... Oh, wow, yeah. Like I was saying, most of the plant is underground. It's enormous taproot with a lot of stored reserves. It's beautiful. I love the underside. It's so fuzzy. The early form of these pines are so cool. They look almost like a... What I would picture in, like you said, Paramo, where you have these real uh -huh. weird... Yeah. Forms of it's a fire escape mechanism. <clears throat> Very neat. Yeah, if I didn't know any better, I'd almost look at them and say some weird derived agave. Agave or, or yucca yeah. or... After they have the, you know, like you said, after their grass form of a couple of years, the reserves, the growth happens really quickly. Uh-huh. So the understory here, you know, the ground cover is uh, a mixture of grasses of various sorts. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is aristida, but there's also andropogons and panicums and other stuff that makes a really good fuel. So this is uh, dahlia. Really? One of the legumes, dahlia pinata. Yes. Weird. Well, if they're, I believe they are one-seeded legumes. 
Yeah, they don't have the... Yeah, they don't look like typical legume fruits. They have then, a pappas or a mm-hmm. samara, whatever you yeah, want to call mm-hmm. that. Exactly. It's so strange. Even when you see them in the flower, they don't really look like legumes. I, mean, I saw... People think they're asteroids. I thought that they were asteroids <laughs> when I first saw them. Yeah, I think I saw Dahlia alba. That really threw me the first time. One of the white... I think it's a white one. I just couldn't quite figure it out until kind of took a step back and thought about it. Dahlia pinata is very common here, and then there's another species that is uh, more rare. More rare. This is the wiregrass, or this is andropogon? No, this is, I think, an andropogon. Definitely looks like kind of a little blue stem inflorescence, infructescence. Wow, that lake is so cool. Yeah, this is Anderson Q Lake. It's one of my favorites here. I think this is one of the highest elevations on the property, so this slope, this is a fairly dramatic drop in elevation going from here down yeah. to, the, to the lake. Would this have been like a sinkhole or something in the Well, in the past? I'm sure in, in one way or another it's all karst related. But Who do we have here? Here's that is flowering. a depauperate little specimen of Balduina. Balduina? Yeah, it's a Asteraceae. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's awesome. It's kind of <laughs> sad looking. Sad little flowering out of the Well, it's getting its photograph taken. That's the new one to me. But here's a Ooh. Here's another Aristida. I'm not sure which species it is, but you can tell it has broader Very different, leaves yeah. than the Aristida stricta, but it definitely is an Aristida. Kind of that bedhead looking uh-huh. in fructescence there. Yeah, what's this silvery asteraceae looking? Uh, that is Pityopsis graminifolia. It's a very common asteraceae here with bright yellow flowers and this kind of silvery foliage. Grass-leaved aster. Yeah. Look at the wow. silky, yeah. silky hairs on the leaves. They're kind of shining. That's beautiful. It is. It's really beautiful. It's very common here characteristic of these sandy soils. And you can see these turkey oaks mm. are not all that fire resistant. A lot of times they will get fire damage. Oh yeah. On them. Some fungus going on there. But they persist nonetheless. Our mycologist Matt Smith just got a grant to start doing a macrofungi survey of the Ordway and cool. DNA barcoding on it. You know, for one of these long-term ecological study sites, one of these neon sites, it seems perfectly obvious the first thing you need to do is get a complete flora and fauna and right. survey of all the biota here. Yeah, if you don't know what's here, how can you... Uh figure out long-term patterns. What'd you find? I did find a fun, uh, probably a pocket gopher hole. No, that's a gopher tortoise. Gopher oh, tortoise hole? Young one. Oh. Yeah. Should they we make look these inside? sloping. Do not reach down in there because they're- They'll bite you? Well, there are all sorts of other critters that like to live in there, particularly if they're abandoned burrows. Rattlesnakes, rattlesnakes, right? Sure. <laughs> I'd never reach in there, but I definitely would, would put my face close to check it out. Who's that been, guy? I've been looking while walking down here. That guy on YouTube whose whole channel is devoted to him getting stung and bit by different things. <laughs> oh, it's one 
heck of a way to carve out a niche for yourself. Oh, I just love this, this grass phase. Mm -hmm. The longleaf pine, ah, it's so pretty. It's like its own little hummock of pine. And you can look across the landscape here and see there's all different age classes represented, yeah. so it's reproducing well. When you you know, got they're, recruitment. They're in the seedlings in the grass stage, and they're young ones, and one's two meters tall, and big trees. So. It's, it's always the kicker, uh, especially up north where the deer become way more of an issue, and kind of talking to people and they said well look the forest has got there's plenty of trees here and then you say well look around do you see any seedlings yeah that's what people <laughs> realize is that yeah. nothing's reproducing there are otters here what hey if you come here I think there's a little bird sitting right in that first past that shrub there's like a little patch of grass You notice the plant people would only shut up. Passive aggressive attitude there. <laughs> From the animal crowd. I'm being aggressive. Ooh, a seed. A seed pod. Let me punch you there. Oh, yeah. What a kind fruit. of a punch is that? Oh, fruit. Oh, nice. If, uh, can I see your bins? Mm -hmm. Want to hold the recorder here? Mm -hmm. Ooh, what is that? There's so a white fuzzy material away. underneath this cactus pad here. So it looks like cotton. Yeah. But then when you oh, squish it. Geez, you're right. It's, it's red. A, it's a scale insect. And mm. it's the source of cochineal. So cochineal wow, so this white cottony scale insect when squished. I think they used to would actually cultivate it on big patches of Opuntia and then go along and harvest it by scraping it up and then drying it and grinding it into a powder and that's what was commercially traded is cochineal dye and I may be mistaken but it's, I think that was the original source of the dye for red coats <laughs> for the British soldiers. So I think it was a really important economic product in the whole new world. So bizarre to me. Before the advent of synthetic cold hard dye. Alright, I'm noticing a pattern with this shrub here. It's barren around it. It's created a ring of almost barren vegetation or barren yeah. land. But that happens to be an ilex, and I'm not sure if they're known to be okay. allelopathic or not. I think this is ilex glabra. I've never seen an ilex with a dark berry like that. That's cool. Ink berry or gall berry. Oh, okay. Pretty. Very nice shrub. So this pond is ringed by grasses of various sorts. The water level fluctuates with the rainfall, so you can see that there's a ring of young pines that got established down by the edge during yeah. you know recent droughts, rainfall period. Who's this? Oh, you know that Ariel Collin? No, Zyrus. Zyrus. Yellow. Yellow-eyed yellow grass. Yellow-eyed grass. 
very common here, several species. <laughs> Not a grass at all. Is that Iridaceae? Zyridaceae. Look how beautiful it's this its own is, family. it kind of spirals up. It's wobbly. Yeah. Almost like corkscrew grass. Looks really cool. This is beautiful. Gators? Oh. No, I've been told we have to go to zoos to see gators. Oh, hey! Like a po- Oh, Drosera! Yeah. Nice! And some Aerocolon. I wasn't... <laughs> I didn't have to wait too long to see that, but what kind of Drosera do we have here? So there are, I think, three species here. There's Drosera capillaris, and Drosera intermedia, and Drosera brevifolia. Here's some nice ones. Oh, they're over cute. Here. Oh, wow. I think this is Drosera capillaris. Very nice. And then a lycopodium? Uh, yeah, I forget what segregate genus it's now in, but this is. This is way more characteristic of what I see in like orchid greenhouses when people are growing the decorative. Oh, hey. Okay, so that arching form it has. Yeah, so this roots it. Has prostrate growth and then it puts up erect vertical fertile spikes. Maybe we can find some. It's a very robust lycopodium. Did you see it? Oh, now, huh? this may be something that you are not familiar with. What Whoa. do you think this is? I mean, just in habit, it looks almost like a sphagnum, but so it's not messy enough to be. So is it a moss? Or is it, it's reproductive here, so you get a, another chance. That it is a moss. No. No? This is Mayaka. It's a <laughs> Mayakaceae. It's an angiosperm. What? Yeah, I, I thought this what? was, when I, when I first found it, I thought, oh, I've got a really nice moss here. I bet it's oh, wow. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, this looks exactly like a little lycopod. But with it's got capsules. Little, it's got little white flowers though. Beautiful. If you see it in if you saw it in flower, you would immediately know it was an angiosperm. That's so. pretty cool. That's new to me. I've never seen that before. Please don't ask me to give me characteristics for that. Oh, me. please go ahead. Quite alright, but that is really neat. Say that one more time. Mayaka. M-A-Y-A-C-A. -A -A. Is that what Mayaka refers to? No, no, that was has some K's in it, I think. Oh, okay. Far be it from Florida to make a state park after really obscure <laughs> aquatic creature. <laughs> That's funny. Wow, I really had to work to find Zyrus in New York when I lived there, and oh, I don't think it even exists really in Illinois, but here. yeah, this is dominant at this. There's lots of Oh, so tons of them. So nice. I love seeing Drosera. Look at the little babies. Are those Capens? Um, no, I said there's three, and none of them are the ones we're used to seeing. So do you know this aquatic? It's all out here, floating leaves. Oh this is, no! This is Brassinia oh. water shield. Oh, I know it is water shield. Brassinia shriberi. With that centrally positioned petiole. Yeah, the petiole right in the middle. The neat thing about it, I, I can't reach any mature plants here, but 
everything is encased in this clear mucilage. Okay, yeah, so I saw that. I thought something had laid eggs on it, but... Yeah, it's, it's very characteristic of its growth habit. It's weird. It's like the whole thing's dipped in, in clear jello, which huh. I assume is a, some sort of anti-predator herbivore mechanism. Yeah, because a lot of those floating vegetation do have leaf miners and such. What's this thyme-leaved shrub with the very scaly bark, or flaky bark? That's a hypericum. Oh, There's cool! Aquatic or semi-aquatic hypericums here. Very typical yellow hypericum flowers. Mm -hmm. oh, I love this andropogon. This is like very furry grass here. Yeah. And there's uh, some varieties of it here that have bluish white glaucous tint to the here there's some over here mm -hmm. they're really gorgeous uh when they're growing well in the summer they don't look very oh nice they're actually very horticulturally yeah they look um and you can see it's growing monopodial side by side the green form so i think it's considered a varietal distinction cool do you see variety glaucopsis or something antenarias <laughs> here I don't recall, I don't think there are antenaria here. Rexia? So, yeah, so this is what I was talking about. These are perennials, and here's this putting up a oh, yeah, look at new that. growth beginning for this season. It's a kind of a thickened tuber that just shoots out growth tips. And then this little patch of area column here. Sarah found it. So I think that might be lacnocolon. Oh. Areocolon and lacnocolon, which is smaller. There's some difference in the base of the leaves. You can see a kind of cross-patterned partitioning. I think I think it's areocolon that has very distinctive mm -hmm. like patterning the base of the leaves and I believe this is lacnocol on which is small more just basic almost graminoid type little rosettes yeah cute is this a live oak so this or the, so uh, the so look at the the margin of the leaf is strongly recurved and it's really yeah I think this is sand live oak Quercus geminata sand live oak yeah, definitely looks like it's adapted to minimizing evapotranspiration during those hot summers I hear so much about. It is very hot here in the summer, <laughs> to be honest. Bare open sand. So Rexia here. There's Rexia mariana, Rexia cubensis, and Rexia nashii. Oh my gosh, their seeds are so small. Are they all pinkish, purplish, sort of? Yeah, and the Rexia cubensis and Nashii have larger flowers, and some of them are just spectacular here. They're huge, deep, rose purple. Mm. Really pretty when they flower. <coughs> and interesting because uh, there's some allopolyploidy involved in them. So over here, this is a different. Yeah, what is this? Oh, hey. 
This looks like the one you sent me pictures of. Yeah, so this is almost ready to shed, or looks like it is shedding pollen now. Eh. Almost. Spring oh. is here. Yeah. Oh, no, some of these definitely are the male That's cones. That explains my allergies. Look. Yeah. Wow. So this is Ugh, sand pine. Bye. Pinus clausa. Clausa. Wow. This Pretty. is adapted to fire in another way. So this is a really young tree, and but it, you can see the cones here. Yeah. Oh, cones, yeah, down. The cones retain their seeds. They don't open until there's a fire. Is that what they so, call serotonous? Yes, they are serotonous cones. And so e the trees themselves are not fire resistant, but when they are killed by a fire, these serotonous cones open, and then you get the seeds released onto a, a nice, bare, open mineral substrate, which I guess they need to reproduce. So they make up for it in being uh, fecund until the fires come. And from here. Yeah. Pretty. So nice. Ooh, what is this? Ooh, what's that? That looks ericaceous. That was nice. Good, good. <laughs> so this is what they call false rosemary. Oh, cool. Ceratiola ericoides. Oh man, look at those leaves. Definitely this, rosemary. This supposedly uh, is allelopathic, and you find it growing in these areas with kind of a zone Almost bare vegetation. no vegetation around it. That's a stunning plant. I mean, like when you say rosemary, that's exactly what I think of. Just yeah, tighter, like a... tighter leaves. But what I think is cool is it almost looks like needles until you just finesse and take one of the leaves and turn it over and they're just really recurved on themselves. That is stunning. What a cool looking plant. And the other neat thing about them is that they have separate sexes. So is this a male or female? Is that the flowers and at the base of the stems kind of tucked in the leaves there? So this, this is a female. Okay. Got a lady in her hands. Great looking shrub. Oh man, bark on the inside is almost white, but very dense. All this cladonia littering the ground. Oh, look at this. That's a nice one, I got that. Gorgeous. Cool. It's really hard to take good photographs of trees. <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah. <clears throat> I tried so hard when I was in California to take pictures of the redwoods and they all look like bone size compared to what they really were. Now, what's this shrub? So this is a vaccinium, vaccinium oh. mercenites. There are a bunch of different shrubby vacciniums. This here. looks like a little more punished than some of the other shrubs. Oh wow, this is like a little dry yeah, they, I think the former owner of the land tried to, dry, to dredge a little canal to connect these two to Oh, yeah. Ditch over to our right here. Okay, so it's kind of a vaccinium thicket. <laughs> the bark on these longleaf pines, at least at this stage, looks a lot like those old uh, fossils you find of the Lepidodendron. Lepidodendron <laughs> bark. <laughs> Not quite as regular. Yeah. 
You okay? Okay, so this is the palmate. This is saw palmetto, fully yes, palmate. Serenora repens. Yeah. Serenora repens, and this forms big, extensive. Starting to get kind of a stalk down there. There are some colonies here with upright stems, which are a bit disturbing. When you <laughs> see them. And you're used to seeing prostrate yeah. growth forms. Kind of going. What are you? That be new far growing in the middle of that little puddle there, or uh, I think another most lily. Of this, I think is nymphaea odorata, but there is also new far here also. Cool. Yeah, here's some of that polygonella gracilis. Polygon polygonella. That's what I was trying. Polygonella to say. gracilis. Little white flowers. In flower right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Tiny little white. Five petaled blooms. And totally white sand. It's quite stunning. Quercus myrtifolia. Quercus myrtifolia. Myrtle huh? leaved oak. Oh yeah, look at the underside. It's pure green. And it should have a little. Almost perfectly you know, shaped. They usually have oh. a little accumulate apex to leaf, but I guess. Oh. All convenient browse height for deer. Yeah. That's a nice little oak though. Cute. Well, it's actually kind of big to call it cute, but still, the little leaves are nice. And oaks here do hybridize. We found a tiny fraction, but still, it's enough hybrids to be confusing here. Hmm. Maybe we'll stop by. Wait, are these the little acorn caps? Holy cow. I think those are aborted. Aborted? Okay, yeah. they're not normally that small. Yeah. Here, here's some. Oh, I mean, still they're, tiny. The mature ones are larger than that. Here, here they are. Oh, here's yeah, those are all infested. Acorns. Okay, so more like a live oak. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I think it's a Rincospora. A Rincospora? Oh, uh, now that you mention it, the inflorescence is totally different. Yeah, it's not. It's not a xyrus. Is it a grass or a sedge or something? I believe it's a sedge. Okay, little tufts here, Rhinopterus. Okay, and Mark, here's something else. A little weird. This looks like um, what I remember seeing out west is an ipom. Oh yeah, you just found it. <laughs> what is this? I believe. Little apac looking thing. Maybe Paranichia? Paranichia, huh? Interesting little plant. I wouldn't even call that a rosette, but... Tiny little umbels. Purplish leaves. Do I want to head back to the car and go on to another sure. spot? Sure! We found a yucca. And it's fairly common here on the station. There's some larger plants over there. Oh, yeah. But I have yet to be able to collect any in flower, I think, because the deer browse oh. the inflorescences. So you're having deer issues? <laughs> yes, deer. Yes, deer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm kind of worried about the long term prospects for yucca here 
on the station. Exactly because of that? Because of the, yeah, it's not reproducing. Hmm. Some more semina. This looks, whoa, that's so fuzzy. This looks different than this though. Or am I just imagining? Uh, this is a very young, just recently emerging growth, and that's, that's a older and mature. Yeah. Let's head on back to the car. And yeah, see where we can go. So the overstories totally changed from pine to oak now. Well, I think that this may be kind of an artifact of maybe the pines having been harvested or thinned out of here, mm. leaving a whole lot of the turkey oak. So this Okay. It's kind of abnormally <laughs> dense with turkey oaks and very few pines, but there still are pines scattered in here. But then this is not long yeah. leaf. It's a mixture of long leaf and slash. slash pine. Oh, okay. This is what caught my eye from the car. Yeah, so this is Rubbery. a lupinus. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. It's beautiful sky blue flowers. This is like no lupinus I've ever seen in my life. Really? I've never seen one that looks like this. I've always seen them with the palmate, the palmate leaves. Hoping it might be in flowers. Nothing yet. Wow, that's bizarre. They're really pretty. I mean, they are, other than being atypical in form, are the, the inflorescences at least? Uh, the flowers are perfectly lupine. recognizable as a lupinus. That's bizarre. Well, I would think there would be a caterpillar that feeds on this lupine as well, right? Yeah, well, the carner blue is the perennis, so they do have their associates. Now, what, what what's the common name of this? Gopher apple? Gopher apple. Lycania michoii in the Chrysobalanaceae. And it's just this weird prostrate shrub. Yeah, it's predominantly tropical family, mainly trees, I think. <laughs> and this is a weird offshoot. Yeah, tempered extension. But uh, apparently the gopher tortoises do feed on the fruits of it. Nice. Well, my mind's blown for today. I, I still can't get over this. This is... Huh. Yeah, look at this. I bet it's got a huge tap. Oh, root. man, yeah. feel that. It's like wanna, so stiff. Yeah, I don't want to dig one up, but I would be really curious to know how much of it is below ground versus <laughs> above ground. I think that's the case for most lupin, honestly. Is yeah. A deep, deep tap root. Such a nice open habitat here. Yeah. So why don't we head on up to the Neon Tower. Up this road here is sure. the instrumentation tower they use for recording all the environmental data. Sounds so. cool. What do we have here? Stock broken off. Right family. Ooh, you're good. So this has leaflets, three leaflets. Mm-hmm. It's a legume. This is Pediomelon. Pediomelon, I've never heard of that one. Cool. And someone here just pointed out to me that these usually seem to absize and break off yeah, from their rootstock. It's almost like a tumbleweed. A very clean cut. I was just going to say, that's what tipped me off is because in the prairie, 
the baptizio we have just floats along like tumbleweeds so it is the like same a tumbleweed. way. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I mean, I'd never thought about that, but these really do seem to. Yeah, that's a clean break. Have size as a yeah. seed dispersal, maybe it cuts I have off no and idea. They have takes little the seed heads. Legumes. Hmm. Now I'm curious to see what their root stock looks like. Yeah, if you could find a distinct obsidian layer, that would pretty much. Here's another one here. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Let's see yeah, about this one. Right well, it's already broken off. I can't really Two of them. tell. But look at that, yeah. Where it came out. I mean, that's almost like the antlers of a deer. Yeah. Just falls right off. Yeah. Cool. Learn something new every day. <laughs> the fire is bad. That longleaf pine needs bare mineral soil and fire to reproduce. And obviously the wiregrass, as you said, absolutely will not flower without fire. Yeah, and the wiregrass produces the right kind of fuel load for the small ground fires and non-catastrophic ground fires. Right, because if fuel builds up too much, you end up getting too much heat, and that ends up killing a lot of things that shouldn't. Nearly everything else here uh, is somehow fire-adapted, fire-tolerant for... Including these palms that we're walking up on now. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Look at that beautiful little shoot. Yeah, the fire, the palms here uh, are very tolerant of fire. They can be burned back and they re-sprout very quickly. I was hoping this might be a Sabal Etonia, which is uh, mm. one of these, looks like Sabal Minor, except it's as tall as it gets. <laughs> it just produces inflorescences from that. Mm. So, you know, people talk about prairies being some of the most endangered, but no one talks, I rarely hear them talk about longleaf pine savannas as being the most endangered. What is that? That's a tuber if I've ever seen one. Well, or a corm. Or corm. This is liatris. Yeah. You know, and these are perfectly fire adapted. They, these can burn off very easily and they've got these big food reserves down in the sand. Huh. Yeah, at least for a light ground fire, they couldn't take something that could right. soil down to a foot. Oh. I've noticed soil is a surprisingly effective insulator. For low fires, that is. But that's what we were talking about the other night, that this, these coastal plain ecosystems are a global biodiversity hotspot. They're much more diverse than anyone ever realized. And uh, the species i was somebody was telling me about some vegetation sampling where they had looked at uh, species diversity of herbaceous plants in these pristine longleaf pine ecosystems and it was just about as high as you get anywhere in the world Jeez. that's stunning and they're being gobbled up for housing developments and and i really have great admiration for the technicians working for neon here former student of ours, Monique Kirstein, uh, they have to come out here and do vegetation plot sampling in these areas. And often when the, the plants, the herbaceous plants are not in flower, so it requires, <laughs> requires a huge amount of skill to try and identify all this stuff in vegetative form. Talk about attention to details. Yeah, so it's very challenging wow. task they have. You know, compare that to doing a vegetation plot like up in uh, uh, <laughs> New England, yeah, in a forest where there may be ten species on the understory. And all. Yeah. Yeah. Is that bracken? 
Looks yeah. like it. Teridium. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Definitely a Zeric species. Oh yeah, look at this. I love this. These tussocks of grasses that get burned. Oh wow, yeah. This little mound of charred grass with the new shoots coming out of the top of it. That's Aristida stricta. Wiregrass. Wiregrass. My first time really meeting it and now it's everywhere. So here you can see this must have been a hot spot of a fire because it has a bunch of young longleaf pine about a meter tall that did get killed by the fire. Didn't quite make it. So this must have been a relatively hot. Oh yeah, they charred. <laughs> it's always a gamble. Well, there's some right next to it that survived. Yeah. I had a forest ecologist come on and he said, people tend to forget trees are living things and they have strengths and weaknesses. So you saw a lizard? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to head on sure. to some other sites? Of course. I just wanted to show you the tower to show you how high tech <laughs> uh, money has been invested here for ecological work. It's impressive. It definitely beats the, the trees for highest thing on the landscape. What do you got there? Oh, nice Acorn. acorns. Turkey just so sandy. But, as I learned yesterday at the, the museum, this was all underwater yep. not terribly long ago. Old beaches. And uh, the climate keeps going as it is, it'll be underwater again. It all happened before and it will all <laughs> I like when we can bring Battlestar Galactica references up. So this is sand pine here that's kind of fallen over. and. Oh yeah, look at the cones up there. But there are different races of sand pine. There's a serotonous form where the cones tend to stay closed you know, until they burn or whatever. And then there are others that will open their cones that are not quite as serotonous. And uh, hmm. I thought we had the serotonous race around here, but obviously these cones have opened. Yeah. Obviously must have shed seeds. So I think it's a little more complex. Yeah. But further south here, you get uh, pure stands, forests of sand pine. They tend to make even age stands that will get maybe 60 years old, and then they burn catastrophically, and then you get another even age hmm. stand coming up. Hey, so look at this though. Open out here on the tip though, serotonous. Yeah, but this, this is probably immature. Yet. Okay. Well, it's weird. They get. They start long and then they get so stocky. Yeah. See the uh, kind of dead skeletons of these shrubs. Well, as they're petering out here. Yeah. Almost like a graveyard. <laughs> There's a really big dead one over there. Yeah. I think it'd be a really interesting long-term study that you could do by uh, aerial photographs. Kind of see the longevity of how crunchy ground. This looks like a legume maybe or a, a euphorbia. This prostrate growth habit is kind of unique. Very much just flat to the ground and running along. That is a, uh, a legume. Hmm. Um, the name escapes me at the moment but it's definitely a legume. Hmm. They Whoa. do a lot of fire training here for fire ecology. So. 
Makes sense, you have 10,000 acres in case something goes wrong. Uh, former director Steve Coates was saying that he was teaching people how to, you could take, you know, single match, yeah. one match and start a fire. And you didn't need to bombard it with fireballs <laughs> every 10 feet. Stopped at a tiny little fenced off cemetery here. The wall cemetery. Historical people that founded Putnam Hall, the town of Putnam Hall. 1809, 1835. What are these? Oh, actually, yeah, it's good. That that's one of the things I wanted to look for here. Very rubbery leaves. Yeah. So this is a uh, sylphium. Oh, species. I should have known that. Yeah. And the only place I think I found sylphium here and in one other place on the Ordway and you can see that this has a chain link fence around it and there's quite there are quite a few sylphiums in here yeah and uh, I think it's because they are protected from deer predation which is one of the things that uh, worries me about the number of deer here is that things like this sylphium may be in trouble because of uh, herbivory intense levels of herbivory. I wonder, is this a different species? Oh, we'll punch you. Huh, found that. Oh. Is that a different species of it? It's equally um, as rubbery. I'm not sure. Different form, maybe? That's a nice sized one. And here you have the rarest of all plants, yes. pokeweed. There are also some other interesting asteraceae in here. I can't remember. Fuzzier leaves. Yeah. Nice seed heads. But again, as we were, like we were talking about earlier, that settlers often put their cemeteries in places that were naturally open anyway, and so a lot of them in the eastern U.S. are prairie remnants, mm. often contain interesting plants for a combination of reasons. One of which is you can't plow in a cemetery. Here's some young yucca. So maybe they will get to flowering size. Here's the Whoa. marker of Elijah Wall, born 1797, died 1890. Holy cow. That was a long-lived man. Yeah. His toils are past, his work is done. He fought the fight, the victory won. That's the oldest one here, for sure. Well, except for maybe the ones that... Yeah, some of these are, are pretty worn down. But they have uh, initials. But, no. the oh, these are footstones. The, now, the former director told me these back here that are just lumps of stone are markers for slaves. Oh, okay. Very different time. What do you see? He's a neat, a neat one. I've never. A neaten? Oh, hey, that's like a fence Perfect. lizard. Perfectly yeah. camouflaged for concrete gravestone. I've got a, I got my good camera. I'm gonna set this down. I bet his undersides are blue. Oh, he's super cute. He's very cool. I like his, his striping. He's very weary of me. He's kind of adorable. Hey, bud. 
The other possibility is the smaller ones are gravestones of infants. Mm. And one, one of the customs in the South is I've been told that when infants were born, they were given initials. Oh. And then they didn't get names, names until their christening. And I had a friend years ago who's from uh, outside of Atlanta, uh, F.L. Stevenson, and by accident he never got names. So oh. his, his official name on his passport and birth certificate was F.L. Stevenson. Wow. So here's something different. Well, there's two things different. There's this narrow-leaved, very rough, abrasive leaves, kind of woody. Yeah. And then there's this little rosetted stalk. I'm not bit. sure what that is. I think it's Asteraceae, but I'm not certain at this stage. And this is probably Stalingia, maybe Euphorbiaceae. Okay. And I thought I saw something I different. Summer and I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see this place in bloom. Here's a little thicket of. Yeah, this is uh, has yellow flowers. Oh, yeah. Little seed pods on this. Uh -huh. Dropped on my head. This here, though. Looks little shrub. It's growing out of an elf. Man, man, that looks like potentilla-ish. But again, I've said that about three or four times now and been wrong every time. Now the name just dropped out of my head. That will happen. Lechia. This lechia. is lechia. Mm -hmm. Is it a lecher? <laughs> you know, many cestaceae have huge, big, showy flowers to yeah. the family. A rock rose family. They, okay, I know it is rock rose. I'm vaguely familiar yeah, with it. but Really gorgeous, showy flowers. And the members in our flora here, cestaceae, lechia, have some of the most inconspicuous <laughs> flowers. almost impossible to tell whether they're in flower or not. Really? Yeah. Funny how that happens. What do you see here? That looks like a Hypericum. But again, that is, what do I know? You're right. <laughs> Mark it. I did it. Neat little spot here. I was wondering what this little guy over here is. Procanthemum. Ooh, there's really beautiful. Slightly larger version of that sad looking one we saw earlier. That's Balduina. Balduina. I like Dahlia. Hey, a little Rubiaceae. White, four petals, tubular flowers, prostrate growth form. What is it? Well, one way to find out. <laughs> Do you have an online flora? So let's put in Rubiaceae. It doesn't have a name, and we'll call it ground coffee. And we have a flora oh. Norway biological station here. Perfect. And we have pictures my, my. of, of uh, herbarium specimens and Houstonia? Houstonia procumbens. Oh, procumbens. They call this fairy footprints. Fairy footprints, huh? What a nice name for it. That was in your lawn. Yes, it's not uncommon in these sandy 
former pine forest. So, oh, here. Oh, hey. What do we have here? That's the lechia. That this the other here? one we were looking at was mowed off. Oh. Yeah, so this is the cystaceae. Oh yeah, look at it. Down at the base it has Very that. inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah. The flowers are small, the fruits are small, it's very Are they the ones that have inconspicuous stinging hairs or a lot of the tropical ones have stinging hairs? No. No? Okay, I'm thinking of something different then. Is this failure? It looks different. No, that's Eriogonum. That's the thing that the buckwheat. Mmm, good question. Hey. Garage holder? It could be. You spotted something exciting, and I, uh, they did. I haven't yet. It's Christmas lichen. Why am I not seeing it? Down. Yeah, down. Oh! <laughs> Literally too high. What is this, Mark? This is Ficaria lineata, the shoestring fern, ah. which is one of the few epiphytic ferns we have around here. There's the polypodium that's very common right. on the oak branches around also here. Also on this tree. This is very different. This I love this fern. growing right in the Look at that. crotch of the big oak tree here. <clears throat> and the leaves are very long and narrow and linear. Mm. And the sprangia are... Oh yeah. You can see here in a double line on the margins of the leaf. So I've seen this genus grown in greenhouses before and it always seems to be infected with scale, but now really? that I'm looking at this one, huh. it too seems to be infected with scale. <laughs> Maybe that's just its nature. Yeah. But um, Neat fern. So th this is uh, a member of a predominantly tropical group that just kind of gets up into here. What's the grouping overall? Well, the Viteriaceae, I guess it's still a family. But uh, have you heard of the Appalachian gametophyte? Yeah, yeah, the one that persists as nothing more than an asexual gametophyte. Right, so the, there are several genera that do that, but one of the ones is uh, the Appalachian gametophyte Viteria, and it has a very distinctive gametophyte morphology. It looks kind of like a liverwort, right? You know, one cell thick, but then it produces little branches or jemmy that fragment at the tips of the of the thallus, and so it reproduces asexually. And you can find it in rock houses all throughout the the Appalachians and all the way up into Ohio, I think. And uh, the question was, are these gametophytes of this thing that is producing? nice big sporophytes, right. or is it something else? And I think the current genetic evidence is that it's a very distinctive, uh, uh, it's member of a, another species, and not this species at all. And no one's here. been able to coax it to get a, a, or a sporophyte? Actually, yes, my first oh. scientific publication. Really? What? <laughs> so we had, a, we had some tissue cultures, well, we had this growing in culture uh, when I was in college at the University of Tennessee, and we accidentally let the cultures kind of dry out mm -hmm. and get really concentrated in sucrose and nutrients, and it caused the gametophytes to produce apogamous sporophytes. Wow. And if you look here on the rhizome, we can 
you don't okay. get snake bit getting in here. Yeah. One of the, the characteristics of Viteria is that it has peculiar kind of scales on the rhizome. Okay. They're called clathrate scales. Oh. Uh, I can't, there's. Yeah, one. there you go. And if you look at them under a microscope, you really have to have Little a brown microscope hairs. that the marginal cell walls in the scale are really thickened so they look kind of like a stained glass window. They're called clathrate scales and it's characteristic of bacterioid ferns. And so this little sporophyte we got to produce in a test tube had you know, these clathrate <laughs> scales so it, it didn't get very big before yeah. it died but it nailed it down as definitely being a bacteria. You said a word back there, apogamous I think? What, did, what does that mean? Asexual. Okay. You know, the sporophytes were produced without sexual reproduction we think. Yeah. Right. Okay so amongst this is a, a, a moss I remember seeing the last time I was botanizing Florida and it's probably one of my favorite mosses. Do you know what this little sheathing of like light, almost whitish green? I think this rosettes? is Luke O'Brien. Luke O'Brien. My biology is really rusty, or <laughs> in this case, <laughs> kind of uh, whitish. But and oh, now yeah. I'm wondering down here, yeah. what we're seeing are some uh, young sporophytes of ferns, and I bet that those are probably young sporophytes of the Viteria. Cool. It's reproducing. Yeah. So we found several other oak trees here on the Ordway with Viteria ferns and it's not that uncommon here in this area of Florida, but uh, it's definitely getting toward its northern limit. Obviously limited by cold as we experienced last that's, night. <laughs> that's my guess. What's, uh, what's this vine above us? Very thick green stems, tendrils coming off, long kind well, of ovate leaves. Yeah, that's a Smilax. Oh, that's a different kind of yeah. Smilax than I'm used to I think to that's Smilax Walteri, I think. Scared some deer up there. That's a nice looking Smilax. Almost looks like vanilla. I got excited for a second. I don't know if you've ever tried digging up a Smilax, but they have huge <laughs> underground No, I tend to rhizomes. kind of avoid them if I can help it. I had a friend <laughs> who was uh, trying to clear a garden space in his backyard, which was an oak hammock. And he ended up digging up this this rhizome mass of, of smilax. It was about the size of a uh, a washing machine. Holy cow! Was, you know, probably fifty pounds. Of, so you can keep burning and cutting, yeah. and cutting off smilax, and you're never going to get rid of it. No wonder they love disturbance, or at least handle it so well. Cool. Good. Glad we found it. All right, that is it for this episode. Mark was such an incredible person, and hiking with him was such a relaxing experience, but also one where you learned every step of the way. I, I can't tell you how much I miss Mark, and I'm just happy that I recorded adventures like this with him to, to kind of go back, revisit, and just hear him again, you know? So this one, of course, goes out to the memory of Dr. Mark Witten. But that is it for this week. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. Of course, consider supporting it either through Patreon or through picking up merch, my book, or just subscribing to this show. All the relevant links can be found in the show notes at indefensiveplants.com slash podcast. But otherwise, hang in there, stay healthy, and get outside if you can. This is your host, Matt, signing out. Adios, everyone.